So you can turn with me. I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be looking at one verse today. We're going to look at verse 7. I want you to think about, as we're thinking this morning, uh, do you remember the old statement? The old statement goes this. You never get a second chance to make a what? First impression. All right? So we never get a second chance to make a first impression. So when we go out and try to meet somebody for the very first time, we put it all on, don't we? Do you remember when you went for job interviews for the jobs that you may have now? Do you remember the first time where you went out with the, your spouse or your soon-to-be spouse, right, Cole, right? Do you remember your first date, Cole? not going to put you on the spot. Don't say anything, all right? Don't want to get you in trouble. He doesn't. He doesn't at all. All right? So... Look, we all want to spend the time to make a good first impression, right? Why is that important? Why is that important to us? Because we want to be remembered. We want to have recognition, right, for who we are. The Bible says that a good name given to us is what? Is a blessing, is it not? Good name is a blessing. So when you want people to think of you, you want them to think of you well, right? That's Y'all can agree with me. When I say right, that's good, right? Shake your head, do something, all right? All right, I know you're hungry, and you can smell it from over in the fellowship hall, but you're going to have to stick with me for a little while, okay? All right, so we want to make a good first impression. We want people to remember our names, and we want recognition. So this scripture, when I read this verse to you, and we put this all in the proper perspective of what it says, then I want you to think of how God looks at us says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So this third first that we've been talking about, right? We've been talking about these first things that we want to get in priorities in our life so that we can put our life in the proper order. God is a God of order. So the thing that I want you to see here is our first per- perception. For the recognition of God, of who God is. See, th- what God is asking of us is the same thing that we want from everybody else. Do you get that? He wants other people to think, he wants his creation, that which he created, to think well of him. To give him the proper honor for what has taken place. Do we do that in the world today? We don't do that in the world today. I want you to think about your life personally. Do you in your life personally give God the honor and the glory and the praise that he deserves for who we are? And for, for all that you've been given. Now look, every single one of us has flaws. Does any of y'all have flaws? Tamara says, I've got a couple, all right? And, but she's not going to talk about those this morning either because that would put us way into lunch and we don't want to go into that, all right? But the reality is, is that we have flaws. And, and, we, and the things that are in our character and cracks that we have, how we were raised, things that we've allowed to come into our life, mistakes that we've made, those kind of things shape and form us and they mold us, okay? But God says this. He tells us in Scripture. He gives us an example in Jeremiah. He says that the clay was marred, meaning the clay was faulty, okay? But then God came in and he remade that. He remade that bowl, that pot into what he, into the image that he wanted it to be. That's what God does in our life. We are marred because of sin. Sin came in, sin came, has come in through through Adam and is and is ingrained in every single one of us. It's ingrained in our children and our in our grandchildren. I had to do uh, a funeral yesterday for someone who was a, a former member of one of my church plants. So I go down and I see uh, a family that I haven't seen in a while, all right? And they're little granddaughter, daughter of the, of the family that was there, she's there. She's now almost two years old. And just to see how much she's grown, the last time I saw her, she was just barely toddling around. So she's changed so much. She doesn't even look like she did before. 
And I'm sitting there the whole time and I'm thinking, this is what God does to us. He recreates us. He makes us. He molds us into, and shapes us into the image of who he would have us to be. He wants honor back for that which he's given us. And when we take his name in vain, we break that, okay? When we blame him for the wrongs of our lives, we break that. God does not do evil. Evil is in this world, all right? And so the, the reality for us is that God breaks that. God moves away from that. Our sin that's in our life is not God's fault. We're going to look at that this morning. That's all on us. It's all on humanity and on us as individuals. So when we talk about first perception, we talk about recognition, when we go back and look at the passage where Christ gave us in Mark uh, chapter 12, verse 30, it says this, You shall love the Lord your God. We looked at heart and we looked at soul. Today we look at mind. So we love the Lord your God with all of your mind. So in other words, when we give honor back to God, it's how we think and how we perceive him in our life and the, and the place that he has in our life that God gives him the proper recognition for who he is. The first thing that I want us to do is to think when we, when we need to make corrective of the course, how do we change this, all right? So the first thing is we do is we change our thought process. This is cognitive transformation. Have you ever heard the old term, garbage in, garbage out? Man, my family used to tell me that all the time. I'm going to tell you this. Growing up, I didn't listen to, like, the fish, okay? There wasn't. There was a radio. There were a couple of Christian radio stations around back in the 80s, but the 80s Christian music was a little different. I, amen for all of those that were born in the 80s. You know, we, there's a lot of choices now. You had, like, Amy Grant and, like, a three more, and that was about all you got. So there's, like, seven songs that rotated, like, 24-7, 365 on Christian radio stations back then. There wasn't a whole lot of variety wasn't a whole lot of thing. So I listened to rock music, all right? And so my parents, my grandparents, not only that, I listened to rock music extremely loud. I can't hear today because of the youth of my, you know, I cannot hear because I, you know, I had a car, the back seats flipped down on the car back in the 80s. You know, they started making cars so the back seats would flip down. So, you, so what I did with my summer money working with my dad was I bought one of them big, huge Rockford Fosgate boom boxes. Do y'all remember remember those? Anybody here? I'm, y'all aren't screaming with me. Y'all are too old, right? You got it? Y'all, amen, all right? So, I mean, I was an hour and a half from school, so when I would travel, the seats came down, man. I had the moon roof on the car, the windows were open, and it was just shaking, you know, just totally shaking. And it was not godly stuff. Garbage in, garbage out. I used to never think about that, but one day I was coming home, and I had that thing blaring and blasting, and my foot was going to the beat of the... As the music got faster, so my foot just kind of went down further, all right? I was flying, and I was coming down Highway 106 headed towards Athens, listening to all this stuff, garbage in, garbage out. And I was headed down towards this uh, bridge, came down on both sides. The road came down into a little valley, and it was a bridge. It was a creek and everything up under that. And I, I'm literally going way too fast. But I, I was in the zone, right? I had it all there. I was just listening. It was driving me. When I hit the bridge, a car coming the other way hit the bridge, and it was pulling a trailer. When as soon as it went past me, the trailer, because it hit the bridge, it actually came up off the ground and came into my lane. I mean, just a split second away, and I'm trapped on a bridge going way too fast, 
And I start thinking about garbage in, garbage out. That was the first time that it became a reality to me that the stuff that I was listening to was actually influencing my life. And I had to put it in the proper perspective. When I started putting life into perspective, the things that we think are are important. My music was important back in that day. Your job may be important. Your income may be what drives you. Your name, your recognition for the things that you do may be important to you. And as long as we have those things, remember how we talked about in the very first week, we allow things to get above, uh, above God in our lives or come alongside God in our lives or give our attention to in our lives. So I got this phone call on Friday that there was a funeral to be done and they asked me, they said, look, you know, I need, we're asking you, we know it's a late, it's Friday, they want me to do this on Saturday. Well, they asked me to do it at 3 o'clock in Decatur on Saturday. What happened yesterday at 4 o'clock? You know, I'm serious. If you don't have your stuff in the proper perspective, it'd be very easy to say, man, I really don't want to go down into Decatur and to Atlanta to do a funeral when something takes place at 4 o'clock. I'm talking about order in our lives. I didn't hesitate at all. And that's not to... All I'm trying to do here is show you an example of how certain stuff can get into our lives. And we, we get our order out of the wrong, in the wrong places. All right? So in our cognitive process, in our thinking, we have to put God where? First. He needs to be first in our thought process. In other words, when everything that we, we do, everything that we say, we need to think, how's that going to represent God? We've got a process right now we think of how that's going to represent us. How's this going to make me look? And so we base those decisions off the priorities that we have in our life, the things that influence our life the things that are important to us. But we need to base our decisions upon the things that are important to God. What does God's Word say about that? How would God feel if we made that decision and He was right here? You know, they always tell you all the time, what would Jesus do, right? Probably not what we're doing. So we need to start thinking along the lines of what would Christ actually think if if he saw me or was a part of this decision process. If he could give me input right now into this moment as I make this decision, would I choose to do the things that I want or would I choose to do the things that are right and godly and holy? Often, we tend to what? Turn against God. So when he says here that we not to take the Lord's name in vain, there's, there's a word in our culture that we say, and that's, that's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's what we've, we've brought this down to. But taking the Lord's name in vain is a whole lot broader than just one word. Taking the Lord's name in vain is not giving him rest, recognition for who he is. Paul said he was a blasphemer. Scripture says that blasphemers don't go to heaven. That means that, well, it goes on to say blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So see, it's broader than a name. 
So you've probably been raised like I was raised. If you use that word, you ain't going to heaven. You're going to go to hell. But it's broader than a word. It's broader than misuse of a language or dishonoring God. It's blasphemy of who he is. It's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's, you know, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit says it's an irreconcilable sin. You know, that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. So if we want to change our cognitive transformation or our thought process, these are the things we need to do. The Lord knows the thoughts of a man. So the first thing we need to realize is that at each decision or thought that we have that comes in, we need to hold, begin to hold it captive. Now, as, as we go through this process, I want you to understand something. It's hard to control the things that come into your mind, is it not? So, that is not a sin. We're going to get to that in a second. The stuff that pops into your mind is not the sin. It is the temptation, or in some cases, it could be the trial that you need to go through. God tries us, Satan tempts us. And we're going to get that and talk about the difference in just a second. But we need to realize that when the, whenever it pops in your head, that is not the sin. It's when we take it captive. In other words, we need to either take captive those thoughts and filter them out, or we need to take captive those thoughts, and, if it be, and it's going to progress. So we have to take those thoughts captive. In other words, how many of you have ever in your life had something pop into your mind about saying something and then not said it? Ooh. I, that's, that was a big part of my growing up process for me. Part of my maturity is if it popped into my brain, I just said it, you know? It, in my mind, out my mouth. No filter. That's what people called those folks. And I was called a person with no filter. And over the course of my life, I've learned to filter my thoughts. This is taking those thoughts captive, putting it through the process of saying, is this going to uplift somebody? Is this going to tear somebody down? Is this, this God-honoring? Is this And not saying those things. So we have to learn to take our thoughts captive. God knows those thoughts. He knows what comes in. Sometimes they come in in the form of temptation. Sometimes they come in in the form of trials. James 1, chapter, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 says this, Let no one say when he is tempted. Now this is where I'm telling you, temptation does not come from God. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt, be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So when the Lord's Prayer says, lead us not into temptation, what are we praying to God? God doesn't tempt. So when we're saying, lead us not into temptation in the Lord's Prayer, we're asking God to take us in the different direction, to take us in His direction. So when we say, Lord, lead us not into temptation, that's not acknowledging that God's the one that tempts us all. He's the one that brings evil into our lives. That's not what that's saying. That's asking God to lead us away from that. Do you get that? So God does not tempt, but each one is tempted. Now, here we go. Each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lumps. When, in other words, when the thought process comes in, 
and it hits it hits our mind and we don't take it captive we allow it to process on through then guess what happens that's where evil deeds happen that's when we say the wrong things that's when we get ourselves in trouble because then we are given over to our own lust and when I say lust remember I just said that's anything that you have put alongside God that brings you up when we start thinking about ourselves first and not God first then we're going to do what's best for us when we do what's best for us we're doing our own lusts and when our lust is conceived it gives birth to what? sin so when the lust is conceived it gives birth to sin now here's the process on this it comes in the mind and when we don't take it captive and move it out it takes birth in our heart when it takes birth in our heart it comes out of our heart as sin how many times have we heard on twitter or in statements especially today where people have said things and then they turn around and immediately have to issue an apology and say, that's not who I am. You know what I mean? Do you see what happens there? When we don't take these things captive, we begin to do things that are contrary to who we think we are. Who we think we are. So here's where the big conflict starts to arrive. Remember how we said, love the Lord your God with all your heart emotionally. We have to emotionally keep our emotions in check. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. That's that which is eternal. That's how we're different from everything else that's been created. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and now your mind. This is our defensive barrier. The world is going to come at us. You see something on TV, uh, something pops in your mind. And you have to take that thought captive. Or if you don't take that thought captive, you allow it to conceive into your heart. If someone says something, your response to it is a thought that comes into your mind. If you don't take that thought captive, then it's conceived in your heart and comes out your mouth or comes out in action. Well, you think about this about me. I'll show you this about me. You know what I mean? I'll show you who I am. Are you getting that? Are you following me? So look, here's the whole part of this. The, I really want you to grasp this morning that there's a process to this. There's order. So per, to protect our heart, we need to guard our mind. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart for out of it flow the springs of life, the well springs of life, depending on your translation. In other words, everything is flowing out of your heart. But it says to guard your heart. You know where your heart is guarded? Your heart is guarded with your mind. So the first perception we is that we need to have, that we is, that was great English, wasn't it? The first perception that we need to have is to honor God. So when he says, do not take my name in vain, that puts the proper order for us in our mindset. Colossians 3, 2 and 3 says this, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
In Galatians 2.20, Paul says it this way. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. If our thought process begins with God, it is going to help us take the things captive and put them out of our lives. Then we will filter out all the junk. And when we filter out all the junk, we will keep our heart pure. Scripture says that we need to live our lives blameless before God and blameless before other people. What I say and what I do influences other people. It can start with your family circle. It can start with your church. It can start with the people that you work with. Wherever your center of influence is, which we all have numerous, by the way, centers of influence, wherever that is, those, those that are closest to you, that's where the impact is the most. Change your life, change your thoughts. Don't let the stuff in. Do not let it take root. Cognitive transformation. The second part of this is not only do we change our thought process, weeding out all the junk so that there's only holy things that are coming in, because garbage in is garbage out. So if you're putting good stuff in, good stuff is going to come out. So the next thing is you change your thought pattern. That is our attitude transformation. Matthew 12, 31 through 37 says this, Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Notice that. People can say stuff against Jesus, right? But whenever he speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Stop right there for a second. So what's the difference in this now? When Jesus Christ came to this earth and walked this earth, he was what? Human. We could reach out and touch him as other people when Christ was upon the, walked upon this earth. Have you ever said anything bad about anybody else? Don't answer. We have. Every single one of us is guilty of that. We've always said something, or all have said something, against another human. So there were people that said things against Christ while he walked the earth and then changed their perceptive perception one of them being James the brother of Christ who we just heard from in the last verses that I read in the previous thought James wasn't a follower of Christ when he walked this earth James became a follower of Christ afterwards what do you think are some of the things that he said to Christ while he was walking the earth this is my brother I know him I'm not following that. Everybody thinks this is who he is. He didn't see him sin, but he didn't see him that way, did he? Because he looked at him totally in the flesh and did not see his holiness as God. 
So there are people that are going to say things against Christ. But to blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is the presence of God in this world today. So when we turn against the presence of God in this world today, that is what connects our soul with God. So when we blaspheme the Holy Spirit and it says that there's no reconciliation from that, what that's talking about is those who spiritually turn their back on God. Now, there are those who I believe that are followers who've fallen into sin. They've allowed stuff to come above and alongside, and they've turned their attention away, just like we've talked about. And that could be some of us in this room today. There have been times in my life where I haven't been the most attentive to God that I should be, and other things have crowded in. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about you losing your salvation. What I am talking about is someone who turns away from God. It's not possible. There is no God. There's none of that. That's breaking that relationship. I don't determine that. You don't determine that. Paul called himself a blasphemer. The Lord saw it differently, didn't he? So what I'm saying is, is that blasphemy is determined by who? God. That which is blasphemous is determined by God, not by me. So, if someone takes the Lord's name in vain, can I say that they're going to die and go to hell? No. Have they sinned? Yes. The determination of that is from God and God alone. Because he sees what? The heart. And he is the only one that can make that determination. So our job is to change our thought pattern and then to change our attitudes. We live in a culture today, when I, back in the 80s, when someone took the Lord's name in vain, it used to like, ooh, just like used to go all over me when I was younger. Now... It's in every movie and every TV show and, you know, everything. It's almost probably in a lot of your conversations that you have. Some people have it as just a part of their vernacular. They can't say sentences without using four-letter words. I'm not dismissing that whatsoever. Here's what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say there is it's not my job to chunk them under the bus. My attitude adjustment, the process of that, is to keep myself pure and holy with the Lord and then let that shine through me in such a way that it makes some kind of impression on their life. Here's what we do. We judge them. And that's where this gets off the, off the rails for us. Because what happens is, in a, sometime... And someday, I know probably rare for you guys, but y'all are going to make a stake, mistake in front of them. And then what do they do? You call yourself a Christian. You say you're this. You say you're that. You may slip up and say a four-letter word in front of somebody who you've chastised for saying one before. So we have to keep this in the proper perspective. Our attitude is that God is the one who really determines what is blasphemy. 
Is the tree good or is the tree bad? A bad tree is not going to produce good fruit. A good tree is not going to produce bad fruit. He knows our heart. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out his good treasure, what is good. The evil man brings out his evil treasure, what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. If there's not anything that should scare us more than in Scripture, that, that passage scares me to death. In everything. Let me tell you why in everything. I stand before you guys every Sunday. If I don't tell you the truth, and you go out and do that which I tell you, thinking that it is truth, what is that? That's on me. And then not only on me, do I, I have the actions of what you did on me. And then I have the ripple effect of your actions on other people on me. So guess what? Every pastor that right now in our culture is bowing themselves to the, the things that are popular in this culture today and saying it's all okay. That's a mess. And that's not just a mess for the minister. That's a mess for the congregation and everybody that the congregation comes in contact with. Do you see the ripple effect of that? And we wonder why today our words are not effective in reaching our culture. It's because of all the mixed, mixed messages that we are sending. We have to today work doubly hard. Because why? You have to live your life pure and righteous before those who are in the world. Then you have to overcome everybody else who calls themselves a follower of Christ who doesn't live there, that way. And just as much for me as a pastor, I have to sp speak the truth in love. And then churches that are speaking the truth have to deal with that which is coming out which is not. Our words will justify us. Our words will also judge us. James 1, 19 through 21. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Do you get that? For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Road rage is not going to get it done. Um, uh, I think of all the times I don't have a fish or anything on the back of my car. Why? Why do I not? Because I'm naughty on the road. I've just confessed to you. There's nothing that says Mount Salem. Follow me to Mount Salem Baptist Church. I'm going to follow you, brother. You just cut me off. Slow to anger. Anger of a man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, all that remains of wickedness, in humility, 
Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Do you catch that? Receive the word implanted, that which is to save your soul. That's everything we just talked about in the last three weeks. It's got to come in these ears. It's got to be processed in this mind. You have to see it, know it as truth. And then it has to be implanted in your heart. Your heart is surrendered emotionally. You get off the throne of your life and allow Christ Jesus to be on the throne. And when you surrender, that is a salvific experience. That is your soul being saved for eternity. That's it. Thank the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2.13 Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now catch that. This is the closure of all this. Look at that passage right there. The things which we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. You're never going to... How many of you have ever said, I don't know the right thing to say to this person? I don't know what to do in this circumstance or this situation. Guess what? Nobody does. Because to respond properly is not going to come from you. It's going to come from God. So the things that we speak and the words that are taught are not from human wisdom, but those taught by the what? Spirit. Look up there on the, on the screen. That is a big S, right? Those are words that are taught by the Holy Spirit. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you're cut off from God. So people cut off from God are not going to tell you the right thing to do with your life. The words that they give you and that you implant into your life to make your decisions are not going to be that which are going to lead you towards holiness and godliness. The words that are the right things for you are not going to come from your spouse sometimes. It's not going to come from your parents sometimes. It needs to come from the Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Big S. Holy Spirit. The only way that you're going to get those answers is what? To seek God. And then it says this. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. There's how it comes out. Notice those S's. Those S's are not capitalized, are they? Have you ever walked away from a situation going, where in the world did that come from? That was amazing. I just seemed to say all the right things at the right moment to make that. I either diffused someone who was angry, or maybe it was someone that, and you're like, where did that come from? That came from God. Totally from so there it is. The mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. If you allow the good to get in there, garbage out, good stuff in, then what's going to flow out of you is what? That which is good. You allow the garbage to stay in there and run around in your life and hang around up here in our mindset and in our thought process, it's going to come out in our attitude. How many of you have ever raised a teenager? Hmm. There's no attitude there, is there? No, no attitude there whatsoever. I used to love it. It was generally what I found for me to be between 15 and the latter teen years when I was the stupid one. You know what I mean? They would come to me and they learned something at school that day. And, they, and you know, that day they had learned it. And, man, they were, they were like, I got this. And then they'd come in the house and I'd say something and they'd go, Whoa, 
but I know this. And I would go, where's this? So I'm an idiot? So there's no there's no captivating of that. The attitude just overflowed out of that, right? We think because it came in, we knew it, the book said it, it was done. Why don't we take God's word that way? Oh, my kids hated it when I used to go back at them with scripture. I would, it's not me saying it. We come back at our kids, well, this is my house, and you're going to do it this way, right? I diffuse the attitude by saying, well, God says this. What are you going to do with that? Your teacher told you this. Your professor told you that. The book said this. God says this. You got to deal with it. This is how we confront the world. I'm going to give you one last thing and then I'll close. Because I know you're hungry. Have you ever noticed when you're reading in the Gospels, everybody that asked Jesus a question, did he answer them? Or did he give them most of the time what? Another question. He did not tell them what to do. He showed them. And he showed them most of the time through another question. We want to tell everybody what to do. We want to tell everybody what to, how to live. We confront them with the gospel. What we should be doing is showing the gospel to them through our lives. Francis of Assisi said, I will show them the gospel, and if I have to use words, I will speak. That is a paraphrase. But he basically said, I'm going to live this before you in such a way that you're going to see Christ in me. And if I have to use words, then I'll speak. We want to point a finger and tell them, and then call it good. Well, I did what I was supposed to do. Keep the proper perspective. Take the thoughts in. Do the right thing with them. Let it affect your heart. Then everything that comes out of us is going to speak for itself. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your love for us, the blessings of life that you've given us. And Father, I, I just praise you for who you are. Lord, everyone in this room has said and done something in their life that they regret. Father, that is sin. Forgive us of our sins. We're done, and that is done, because the shed blood of Christ Jesus. Lord, as you transform our lives, transform our minds. Help us to think the proper way. And in our thoughts, Father, transform our heart. And in our heart transformation, Use us to transform the world. Father, it's these things we ask. It's these things we pray now in Christ Jesus' name.